Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. Hello and welcome to another awesome, outstanding, and has the potential to be one of the most iconic episodes of this season. And I'm, I'm so excited about it because this is one that I'm, I'm definitely going to be stepping into the student role here. I'm going to have a lot less to provide, but a lot more to learn. And I'm joined by my good friend, a man who, who I used to just see as the creator of a program, the author of a book. But now I see as just an amazing friend and someone that, um, you know, I could grab a few drinks with, you know, non-alcoholic, but grab a few drinks with and just sit down and have some laughs with. And a man who, who dances with a golf club and like nobody would believe. <laughs> we were just talking about that, uh, that ever since I, I saw Maurice Harker dance with the golf club and then hit the ball 200 yards, I was like, we are friends for life now. There's a bond and a connection there, and I'm so blessed and happy to have you, Maurice, my friend, joining me once again on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, We did have a lot of fun at that men's retreat a week or two ago, and we had a blast doing lots of fun things and doing some educational stuff. Yeah, I'll make sure that that is posted in the description below. So today, today's a big one. It's a bit of a doozy, and it's one that I, I think really holds a lot of weight. In fact, I know that it does. We're, we're going to be talking about how to have that, that talk, not, and not just the talk, the sex talk, but the, the big, heavy, stressful talks that so many parents are like, I don't want to have this talk. You have this talk. Well, I'm not ready to have this talk. And there's so much weight and so much pressure that you know, you're going to explain it wrong, or you're going to be too lighthearted about it or too heavy handed about it. And it's going to cause trauma and kids are gonna be like, no, 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 I don't ever want to talk about this with my parents. And so what I'm hoping we'll get out of this today is that parents and that bishops and that these people that have these really heavy talks with individuals that are struggling with sexual self mastery, will be able to approach it in a way that there is understanding, that there is hope, that there is kindness and compassion, that there's zero shame, and that it fosters an environment where uh, youth are actually more encouraged to go talk to their parents or to go talk to a bishop before they go consult the Google search bar, because that will just lead to more problems, as you and I both know. So Mm -hmm. how is it that parents can have an effective and positive experience with the talk or these heavy topics? All right. Um, First of all, you have to have patience with creating a certain type of relationship with your child where they're used to talking about hard things. So it actually doesn't feel like a heavy talk. It feels like just adding one and a half more pounds on your barbell and we're just adding one little piece because we've already been lifting weights in this area for some time. I love that. I okay. love I love that imagery. But if you just sit down and you go for the big heavy talk one time, you're going to uh, st- uh, strain a muscle and uh, be on the bench for a while if you try to go straight from nothing to the big talk. Yeah. Okay. 
and and there there's a lot of guys like in the group meetings that I talk about, especially the the older guys that their parents gave them the talk by saying, "Hey, here's a magazine that that'll tell you everything you need to know about it," which is so tragic because there's no connection there. There's no yeah. relationship being fostered. So I I like that you pointed that out. Proceed. Okay, so the next mindset that often gets in the way is we tell our loved ones that um, uh, we're all sinners, we all make mistakes, but you are the broken person and I've got things to fix you, mm. okay? <laughs> and so um, when a conversation starts like that, and if you empathize with or get in the shoes of the person who's always treated as if they're broken, Okay, and here you come with another toolbox to fix me, then I'm not very excited about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm not really interested in having a conversation with someone who tells me we're both sinners, but treats me as if I'm the only sinner in the relationship. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, a lot of this message that we have for you today um, is given to us with a foundation on a miraculous gift given to us by President Nelson and his team of apostles. When he took out um, back in 2019, the fall um, conference, he removed the entire youth program as it had existed for over 30 years with its booklets of checklists and medallions and ribbons and all the different ways you could get awards if you just did a checklist. And he replaced it with a nine-page booklet, a nine-page booklet where it looks like the most important page is the circle that has four things on it that says spiritual, intellectual, um, physical, and social. But the magic page is the next page. After studying human psychology and human change and human development for 30 years, I've never found anything more powerful than the four words on one page of a single booklet that has changed everything about the way I do therapy. Okay. And those four words in the pattern for growth page are discover, plan, act, and reflect. We call it the D part to make it sound scientific. Yeah. Okay. Discover, plan, act, reflect. And, and no. that actually was brought up in our previous episode with Dallin. Dallin actually mm. brought that point with Passion Project. So our, our listeners should by now be at least a little familiar with that DPAR system. So Good, good. So here's how you use it to bring up conversations about sexual self-mastery issues, including pornography and other unwanted sexual behaviors. Okay. All right. So while your child is younger than teenager if possible if not it's okay i, I was gonna say is there a too soon like can you start no. too soon on this no there's not a too soon because i've seen families teach these basic principles from way young it doesn't have to be about sexuality when you first start teaching it yeah okay so here's how it works all right okay you you gather your family in a family home evening thing or spontaneously around the dinner table and you say something like this. You know, President Nelson has been discussing the concept of repentance with the same attitude as one might use when they invite you to go out for ice cream. Let's go repent together. It's fun. We'll have yeah. a great time. It's, it's, <laughs> it's yummy. And like, it's not the same tone that it was when I was a kid when it's like, 
let's talk about repentance and take you down into the dungeon and whoop you and strap you to some kind of an unpleasant device. Hellfire and damnation. Yeah. <laughs> if you are an up and coming person nowadays and you hear, you know, let's repent together. It's like, he's inviting you to go to a party. Like this is fun. Yeah. Okay. So parents, if they treat this topic or this process as something overbearing or unpleasant, then the kids are going to think it's overbearing and unpleasant. So they say, now, because it's so fun to go through the repentance process, I'm going to demonstrate it for you with my weaknesses. Ooh, okay. 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 I'm going <laughs> to yeah. show you how I repent because it's so fun. Yeah. Okay. So, so essentially leading by example and showing them and that before you expect them to go through it, they need to see that you know how to go through it as well. All right. So to and encourage your youth and loved ones to gather in the next meeting you have with them, you say, and we're going to discuss one of my sins and all of y'all get to have some feedback about it. <laughs> what, what, I, what, I, what I love about this is, um, so my, my kids, well, other than my youngest son, because he was, he was a baby when, when the separation and everything happened, but both my girls still, and they still ask questions and they still remember, and they'll bring up stories. Dad, do you remember when you weren't living at home with us because you broke mommy's heart? And that, that's the way that they describe it. And you know, it's not one of those things that, it, you know, I ever get defensive about or anything. I, they just, it's just part of our conversation. I say, yeah, I, I do remember that time. And they'll say things like what happened? And, you know, without going into too much detail, I will tell them like, well, dad made some really bad, some really poor choices and had to choose to change his life around. And, and so I do give them a, a glimpse into that fact that I had to go through a repentance process and they know what receiving the priesthood again has meant to me. They were at my baptism when I was rebaptized. They, they got to experience all this with me and I never hid it from them because we, as you just said, we shouldn't be hiding our repentance process. Now, when I propose this to parents, we get that um, commonly expected emotional response you don't actually expect me to talk about my sins in front of my children. <laughs> okay. And I say, well, that uncomfortable feeling you're having, why do you think your children don't want to talk about their sins with you? Yeah. Okay. Do you not think that they're having the same feelings you're having? And maybe in your first meeting, you can share those feelings to make it relatable. Like, I really don't want to do this. This is uncomfortable for me. This is hard for me to talk about this with you, but because I want to demonstrate the process, I'm willing to go through the discomfort of putting my sins on the table. So this is one of the ways you break the ice with your kids on them talking to you about hard stuff because you know what it feels like. So then you say, I have chosen the, and I tell fathers this, uh, the most acceptable sin amongst fathers is losing your patience with your children. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's true. You, you tell a group of friends, I, I yell at my kids. Sometimes I lose patience and everyone goes, well, yeah, that's expected. Kids drive yeah. me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the kids, so imagine a father in front of his children saying today, I would want to uh, work on my repentance over losing my patience with you guys and yelling at you and calling you names. So he writes on the top of a marker board or something like that. Uh, my sin is losing my temper or patience with my children. 
Mm-hmm. And the kids all cheered. Yay, dad's going to fix his issues. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to be yelled at anymore. <laughs> and the dad has to try not to melt. And the wife is so proud of him for his vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so all, proud of you. All the men listening to this right now are just like, Maurice, you are putting me yeah. in a hairy no. situation right now. I know. <laughs> I'm never going to let my kids or my wife listen to this recording. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> now, the man sometimes will go, yeah, woman, you're next. Like, you got to do this next. But yeah. we're not going to. Yeah, we're, we're too manly to say that. Right. All right. So then he writes the word discover underneath the, um, the title of his page. And he says, all right, to demonstrate the discover part of the repentance process, This is where you get lots of ideas on how to fix it. And according to the handbook, it says, um, as parents or loved ones of the youth, um, we're supposed to turn this into a menu of options and get ideas from everybody and just list the ideas, like making a menu of things you could choose from. Yeah. Okay. So kids, give me a few ideas on how dad can fix his temper and anger. That is fun. Okay? <laughs> that is a you could duct tape your mouth and stay in your closet all day long and just leave us alone. Yeah. Write that up there. Write that up there, Dad. Okay. Yeah. You could uh, never come home. Put that on the list. Okay. You could stay out of my business. Okay. Because you always are getting all up in my business. I feel like right? this would be really humbling to have kids say things like that. Like. Well, you could just not not come home while we're doing playtime or while the house is messy. And it's like, oh, they just said they don't want me home. That's that's a knife twister right there. Yeah. Now let's um, cross this over to how a bishop would use the same process. The bishop does the same thing with his priest corps. Okay. Okay. He can use his deacons and teachers as well, but practice with only your priest corps because it's hard. Yeah. All right. Then you add some of your own stuff. Well, I was thinking I could do this, and I was thinking I could do this, and I was thinking I could do this. And then the wife kind of raises her hand. I have an idea. Yeah. And hers are the ones we should probably really be listening to. Well, um, if you're demonstrating how to be a husband and a father to your kids, then you have to respect her ideas in front of your children. All right. Then you say, okay, that's a lot of good ideas. Thank you so much for being generous. <laughs> with your discovery of how I can fix this. Okay. All right. right. Then you go into the planning section. Now, according to the instructions book, the person who's supposed to be doing the planning, which horrifies parents is the youth is supposed to pick off the menu and start deciding what they're going to try first for their development. So this gives you a little safety in this process because you can say, now the instructions say, I get to pick off the list, what I'm going to do to work on my, uh, anger management, etc. So I choose this one and this one. And so you write that under the plan word. So discover plan. So you write down your global plan, like your plan overall. I'm going to uh, get some training on breathing techniques and yep. thought shifting techniques. That's what I choose to do. I'm going to do the walk out of the room before you throw chairs at your children technique. I'm going to put myself in timeout. I'm going to try a new discipline technique that does not involve me yelling. So those are the three things I'm going to try. 
but what about the duct tape in the closet? <laughs> I might try that if these other ideas don't work. But <laughs> this is what I get to do. I get to plan. Right. So now they see that he's making an intelligent plan. Then he says, now I'm going to shift this into the action item, which the way I teach it is how you move the plan into daily steps of action. So you, this is where you create your checklist for yourself on today. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then on tomorrow, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And on the next day, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. So now I've moved it from a plan to a action items. Okay. And then you say, for the reflection part, I will do some reflection on how well I did. But next week, we're going to get together and y'all can give me feedback on how well I followed my plan. We can reflect. I use the term film review. Okay. For athletes, they totally understand the concept of film review. This is where you watch how you did. You look at what you got right. You look at what you got wrong. And so it's amazing when fathers and or bishops tell their listeners that they get to be their accountability partners. Yeah. Who are you using for your accountability partner, my teenagers? Oh, why would you ever do that? And my wife. <laughs> um, the idea comes to mind of a bishop inviting his priest quorum to be his accountability partners and them doing check-ins with him like on Thursday. How you doing, bishop? Have you lost your temper yet? Ha, ha, ha. How you doing? Which it's so funny because... In, in my mind, I, I just, you can't even see this happening. Like it, it doesn't make sense, but how cool would it be for a bishop to get texts from his priests? They're like, how you doing this week, Bishop? And for him uh -huh. to feel accountable, like I, I'm, I'm an example to these kids. I'm a leader. I, and I need to be honest about this too. Uh huh. So I need to demonstrate healthy accountability and I can guarantee, especially the bishop with his priest quorum, uh, he will be highly motivated to not report any lost battles with his anger. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll go, Oh, I almost got you. Yeah, but I'm not, there's no way I'm going back to that room of priests and saying, well, I was doing good until Thursday. And then I totally lost it with so-and-so in my house. Yeah. Okay. And the father who doesn't want to have to have an unpleasant accountability with his kids on next Sunday. Okay. All right. Now, after he does his um, gets his uh, marker board out and reflects on his action list items and sees his successes and failures, we return to the Discover Square and we say, all right, based on what I got right and what I got wrong, help me discover some new ways to approach this so I can improve 1% each week as instructed by the prophets in October's conference last, last year. Yeah. Okay. My goal is to improve 1%. My goal is, well, my goal is actually to improve 100% as fast as I can because I don't want you guys in my pack. <laughs> but he shows them how when you don't get it right, you go through the reevaluation process and the discover process, and then you make a new plan or you fortify the plan. Then you create new action lists or clarify the list, and then you do it again. And I recommend you create a culture in your home of going through this cycle so your kids can see what it's like by demonstration as opposed to lecture or conversation. Yeah. So if once you've done it three or four times, give it like a month for them to see how the process works. So how do you handle it when you fail? How do you handle it when you succeed? How do we talk about it? Do we talk about it with shame? Do we talk about it with 
anger? Do we talk about it with disappointment? You have to be a role model of how to respond to failure. Okay. Love that. Then you say, um, as the presider patriarch of this home, we're now going to have it be both ways. I'm going to keep doing mine with all of y'all, but we're going to have you come into my office for an advanced version of a PPI. And I'm going to do a DPAR with each one of you because I don't think it needs to be done in front of everybody unless you want to do it in front of everybody. Okay. If you want to bring to the meeting, I want to stop slapping my little sister. Okay. <laughs> or stop teasing or whatever stop you're taking thinking. taking their toys. Stop taking their toys and harassing them. And I would like the whole family to help me depart this. Discover, yeah. plan, act, and reflect. Sure. Cool. Let's do that. All right. But if you um, start getting this cycle going, and this is a culture you start to get in your family, it's not very hard because the circle on the page before this in the pattern for growth system is social, intellectual, spiritual, and physical. And you can just build in a fifth section that says sexual. And because we start talking about how normal it is to have social problems, how normal it is to have intellectual areas of growth, everybody has to learn how to master their sexuality. It's not something that only happens to a few people. Yeah. Some of them, it's a big deal. Some of it's not. But if you're talking to your kids by age 10 or younger about, um, just so you know, there will come a day when you're attacked sexually. There, there will come a day when you are have things that are thrown at you against your value system. And I'm just going to check on all five circles, five categories. How's your social life? Should that be our main focus? How's your intellectual life, your schooling? Should that be our main focus? And the way you ask the question is not, have you viewed pornography? Okay. Right. It's something like, has pornography attacked you yet? Has Satan attacked you with pornography yet? So, so you're, you're not placing the, the sin or the blame on them that they've done something. You're placing the blame on the sin that it has attacked them. Because in most cases, that's how they run into it the first time. Right. In yeah. most cases, it gets thrown at them. A friend shows it to them at school. Someone mentions uh, sexual things in class. And that, that's, get... that's exactly actually how, how it happened to me it was in junior high. I, I had friends show me a picture of something. I was like, what is that? And they told me, I was like, oh, that's what that is. And all of a sudden the curiosity bug was sparked and it was just downhill from there. So we know that the human brain gets very defensive quickly if it gets blamed or attacked on what it's done wrong. But if you're asking them, have they been attacked? Think of it like socially. Have you had any bullies harass you lately? Yeah. Okay. Think about it intellectually. Has, have your teachers given you any assignments that you're struggling with? Okay. We have all these things that hit our children that they don't cause. They just get knocked on their fannies because they weren't ready for it. And we have a chance to train them to respond successfully to it. And so I can guarantee you, if you start these conversations early and you make it sound normal, it's normal for people on the internet to throw things at you of a sexual nature. It's normal for things on TV to throw sexual things at you, to create curiosity. It's normal. This is going to happen. It's just a matter of when it starts to knock you on your fanny. 
Yeah, I, I remember in the conference that you did just a, a couple of weeks ago, one of my favorite things that you said was, uh, so you've looked at pornography and you've struggled with sexual self-mastery. Congratulations, you're human. And to, to just make it seem like, look, this, this is not something that you're choosing to be a bad person. You're human. God designed you this way. And your job is to learn how to master it, how to control it, how to, how to deal with it. So, yeah, I, I love that. And the more I've studied the science of sexual chemistry, and if God is actually involved in the creation of human bodies, he knows that the power of sexual chemistry is too much for a normal adolescent to handle. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And he's not up there. It's, it's like putting a small child on a Clydesdale horse and being frustrated with them that they can't control it. Okay? Like, wh what were you thinking was going to happen? <laughs> okay? And so to rebuke a child for not being able to control a Clydesdale horse is silly. It is. Okay. But to say, all right, this is hard, but let's get you trained. This is hard, but let you get trained. And so then if they say, yep, I've been hit by sexual temptations, I've been hit by, and now they know this isn't about them being a pervert or being broken. They now know because they've watched their father. What do we do next? We put that at the top of the page and we start to do some discover work. What can we do about it? Here's something that can be tried. I read this in an article. What can you think of for yourself? I have no idea, dad. Take all my devices away every day for the rest of my life. All right, let's put that on the list. That's an option. Okay, we can uh, do blocks on it. But really, as we've learned, it's okay to put plenty of blocks on devices and internet usage and, and filters. But when a person's really hooked, they will break through anything you put on. Yeah. Okay, they will find a way around it. And so you can't get mad at them for that because it's not like they're like, I really want to ruin this. I really want to. Everyone I've ever met desires sexual self-mastery. Right. Everyone I've ever met does not want to drift into this land of stupidity where their brain is doing things different than what they value. The book like Dragons Did They Fight will walk you through all the details of how this works in the brain. And it's free on the like dragons uh, what like dragons free.com and we'll, we'll, we'll put that link um also in the description below so just know you can get the ebook in form of it for free you can buy the paperback or the video or something like that but that's available for if you want lots of detail on that so so, so i i also love there, there's a bit of validation not on my part but a bit of validation here toward my wife she, well, we've had multiple discussions where we're like, we want our kids to be able to come and talk to us. We want, because we know the day is going to come when a, a boy makes a move on one of our girls. It's going mm -hmm. to happen. It's inevitable. And so we're, we're trying to start early on fostering this atmosphere of, look, you can come and talk to us about anything and you will never be punished for coming to us with an issue. You will never be ridiculed or shamed. You'll never be told that you are bad because something has happened to you in your life. And the way that she's done this, she calls them mom dates. And they're really awesome because she just goes and gets ice cream or goes and gets food with them and walks around the park. And she plans out what she's going to talk about in that session. The bot, the changes your body's going to start going through, um, you know, what it feels like to start liking a boy, you know, and, and how, how they should be expected to be treated. So think things like that. And starting with even like the, the lighter topics of, uh, of just like, 
you know, how are you doing emotionally? Like, and helping them understand what their emotions are. And by, by doing so, we've noticed a lot that it, it's funny. She gets a little bit frustrated, but she'll have these long talks with them. And then at nighttime, I'll sit on the end of their bed and say, how are you doing? And they'll open up to me about everything she talked to them about. And she's like, wait a second. I spent two hours talking to them about this and they unload all of it on you. And to me, it's just a testament to her abilities to mm-hmm. get them to open up. But it's a it's a sweet moment of connection for me as well. So it's been really awesome, the effect that these mom dates have had on our kids. Good, good, good. So yeah. this tool can be used. Um, uh, I'll finish describing how it works. But um, okay. in the in the informal setting of ice cream and taking a walk, so it doesn't look like you're just sitting at a desk with a piece of paper in front of you, you can do all four steps. You just have them memorized with your agenda. And it sounds like this mom is doing that. The next thing, so you just do discovery work with them on what can be done about it. All right, you've already been doing this with them on stuff like emotional, intellectual, and spiritual stuff. So that's not going to be weird for them. So then you say, all right, as we've demonstrated, you get to pick what the plan's going to be for this week. All right. So of these items we put down, what do you want to try this week to to be more successful? The reason this is important is President um, Nilsson is really pushing hard to change the culture of our youth, which they've had a real hard time thinking for themselves and coasting because they've been given checklists and they're told to do the checklist, but they don't come up with lists themselves. He wants us to be more intellectually involved and intentional about our plans. And they can start doing this at a young age. And he says in the instructions for this booklet, don't get in the way of their experiments for personal development. Yeah. Let them pick something that isn't going to work. And you know it. And don't try to correct it. Let them help them turn it into an action list. All right, if that's the plan you want to have, what are you going to have to do today? What are you going to have to do tomorrow? What are you going to have to do the next day to make your plan work? And let's have you try it for a week. And then we'll come back and we'll do film review and reflect on it. And then we'll do another discovery to see what we can do better, what we can do different. And we'll do the cycle over again. Awesome. And so the way this works is you have to create a culture where you're demonstrating the repentance process is like going out for ice cream, like President Nielsen teaches it. Yeah. That you're not ashamed of it. You're not um, embarrassed to do it in front of your children. And so when you have these meetings, you can do a report on how you're doing on your main focus goal. They can do a report on theirs. And so you're starting to talk about in your reflections, like, Um, I wasn't expecting this satanic attack on me that um, derailed me from doing this part of my action plan. I wasn't, I didn't carefully watch for an attack on this part of the plan. Like if you plan to do some reading, some study, some writing, and it gets sabotaged either by a mood or by an event. And now you can go, okay, we have to take into consideration that mom's going to spontaneously ask you to do chores at the same time that you plan to do your reading or your writing. And so we have to come up with a plan on how to handle that conflict. Yeah. So let's deep, let's deep par that one. Okay. And so this trains them on a weekly basis, if not more often, how to think for themselves. Cause I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how many people I've met who are of all ages who do not know how to do discovery work. They don't even know how to Google their question. How can I control my anger with my kids? 
Yeah. <laughs> they like, I never even thought of Googling that. Yeah. Okay. So they're not discovering anything. Then they make a plan based on knocking two rocks together to build a rocket that goes to the moon. They're like, I'm sure there's an idea in my head that'll work somewhere. Like, why are you planning before you do discovery? You're just going to plan the same thing you planned last time that isn't working. Yeah. Okay. And then you're not even planning it. You just kind of, yeah, I kind of maybe sort of will work on that. Okay. You write down the discovery stuff, you write down the plan, and then you write down your action steps. And I've had people say, I don't know how to break that down into action steps. I don't know how to move a plan into action items. And there's a lot more people who struggle with that. When I have the assumption that everybody knows how to do that, I didn't realize that I actually studied four or five books on how to do it in my young adult years. And so it's not natural for me. I actually learned how to do it. I discovered through learning more. And then even the reflection process, I don't want to reflect about things I've done wrong. I mean, how many dads want to reflect upon how they yelled at their kids? Yeah, true. Okay. Let alone reflecting about sexual things. So this has been the most powerful technique and it's absolutely substantiated by the prophet because he's the one who introduced this four word process. You add some science and some technique to it. And then you got a system where everyone in the house is familiar with it. I've met eight-year-olds who can explain how to do a lost battle analysis because their parents have been doing it around them, teasing their little brother. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. All right, everyone, DPAR. So definitely uh, take notes on that. Go back and listen to it if you need to. And uh, I I would love to get some emails about an experience. Um, And I would even send those to Maurice because I'm sure he'd probably love to hear them. But yeah, um, yeah de- definitely look into that. All right, I, I want to move on because uh, we've got about 15 minutes and, and a lot more to cover, but maybe we can yeah. shotgun through some of the rest of these. When, when you talk to people, or I guess when these conversations are going on, when would you say that maybe more professional help is needed? When, when would you say that there's, are there signs? Are there words that, that parents should be looking for that they're like, okay, th- this might be heavier than we're trained to handle, than we're prepared for? we probably need to either talk to an ecclesiastical leader or, or go talk to a therapist. Okay. So because all of us have different skills, let me use the example of um, my daughter with her car, her Camaro in the driveway. Um, she likes to think, and, and she's a um, cheerleader dancer who likes to put her hair in a bun and roll upside down underneath her Camaro and get greasy. Okay. And she's got this idea that because I can help people fix their brains, that I'm equally good at fixing cars. All right. So when she runs into a dead end, she comes to me and says, dad, come help me. I'm really good at holding a flashlight. I can, I can turn a um, wrench on a, on a bolt. If someone else tells me which one to do. Yeah. Okay. I can usually figure out where the, um, where, where to refill the windshield wiper fluid. (laughs) (laughs) And I know a little bit about pistons and spark plugs, et cetera. Right. But it doesn't take very long to reach the limits of my understanding of what I'm dealing with in a car. So it's not very hard for me to say, we've reached the limits of what I'm able to help you with. It's probably a good time to bring in a specialist. Got to take it to a mechanic that knows what they're really doing. Mm -hmm. So mom, dad, this is the same wording you use. It doesn't matter what the kid says. The question is, have you reached the edge of your skill level? Yeah. Yeah. You take a car to a mechanic. 
if your kid is showing symptoms of some kind of an illness that is out of your league and you don't have any home remedies that your parents taught you or you can't figure out how to diagnose it, you just say, I know a specialist in this area or I found one online. Let's go get the car checked out. Maybe all we got to do is change a spark plug. Maybe it's that easy. Yeah. Or maybe we have to change the whole motor. I don't know. I don't know what you need. So parents and bishops, the most important thing you can do is the line is where you start to feel like you're in over your head. Like you don't know what's going on and you don't have a, any more discoveries or any more plans. And, and I think a really important thing to, uh, to bring up with this is not, not only acknowledging the fact that you've reached the limit of your understanding, but the way you respond and making sure that it's not full of frustration toward them of, I mean, cause your frustration is really directed at the fact that you just don't know how to help, especially with things like I I've spoken to a lot of parents about their, their child was molested and their first response was, I want to get the police involved. I want like, they, they want, they go into protection mode and that, that makes the child feel like either a, they've done something wrong or B they're going to like lives are going to be ruined. And a lot of times really what the child needs is to sit down and process through things before their parents go into attack dog mode and be able to just know that they are still loved, that they're still under that, you know, there's a, a desire to understand what they're going through so that healing can begin. Thank you. And that um, environment that Cameron's talking about can only be created by a version of what we just talked about, about the parents demonstrating the repentance process yeah. and showing what it, um, what a healthy person does in response to life not going the way you want it to and life being where you get attacked by things. And then parents, please just practice the way you would say it about a car or an illness. Okay. What you would say is you're showing symptoms or things are happening here that are out of my league. I know there's a specialist who can, we can just get some answers or can, can assess the situation just like a doctor would with a person or a mechanic would with a car. And they will give us recommendations. For some reason, there's some kind of a stereotype about therapists that they only recommend therapy because they want more money and more clients. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe people feel that way about mechanics also. And maybe some doctors are, are thought of that way, but any um, healthy, wise clinician will say, um, you don't need help or you only need a little bit of help or here's some instructions on how to change your spark plug and you're good to go or we need to change out the whole engine. We yeah. got to do some major work on this. Or even that therapist will say this is outside of my expertise and the scope of my practice, which uh, Cody Haas actually did that with me that my wife and I got to a point that he was like, I think we've reached a point that I'm not able to help you anymore and a specialist toward what you're struggling with now um, would be better. Here's some names, here's some options for you and helped move the process forward, but didn't make us feel like, well, you, you're SOL. <laughs> mm -hmm. you're, there's nothing I can do for you. Good luck in your journey. So, so I would recommend, um, if you feel that way, we have a long list of clinicians and mentors who run our, um, sons of Helaman's sexual self-mastery training program and our Men of Moroni Sexual Self-Mastery Training Program, the second one for adult men, the other for the teenagers, and then just have them do a checkup. Just have them do an assessment and to see how bad it is. And then if they say, 
the wisest course of action and the least expensive training that your loved one needs is this Sons of Human program or the Men and Roni program, which is about one fourth of the cost of therapy. Yeah. Okay. They're not therapeutic groups, they're training groups, but they're often led by very skilled clinicians or well-trained mentors to watch over the patterns of behavior. And if they think that in a more advanced level of therapy on an individual level is needed, they can recommend it. Okay. And so the training um, is made available. They get to um, get rid of even more shame by being around fellow warriors, where it's a culture of um, knights of the round table mentality, fighting together against this, um, this in this war against satanic attacks through temptation. And it's amazingly powerful and it costs a whole lot less than individual therapy. Oh yeah. These, these groups are awesome. Being, being a mentor, one of these groups has been one of the biggest privileges in my life. So I, I absolutely love it. So thank you for bringing that up as well. Um, okay. In the last few minutes here, I, I want to jump over to now um, maybe helping out bishops a little bit. And the reason I, the reason I bring this up is uh, just this past Saturday, I had a, a bishop from my stake contact me and he said, uh, Hey, look, I, I've got this man that is going through a really hard time in life. He just started traveling again and lost battles are, are just happening on a regular basis. And when he came in to see me, he was just, he looked like a completely defeated man. And rather than go back to where we had started at with square one, I just feel like I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know how to help this guy and so I reached out to the stake president and he gave me your name saying, this was kind of your passion. This is your, your area that you've gone through in your own life. So we proceeded to have this amazing, just awesome, like 20, 30 minute conversation about this program, about mixing the science with the spiritual and, and the understanding that comes along with it and the, the hope that there, there is possibility for change. So but I, I know there's probably a lot of bishops out there and there I'm sure you've probably got some resources because the number one thing that when I talk to bishops is they, they always like to say this, well, I'm not a therapist. So I'm going to do my best according to what the Lord inspires me to say, but there, this may be again, like what you said with therapists or with parents, this may be beyond what I'm able to help you with. What advice would you give to these bishops um, when, when talking to someone who has a compulsive or addictive or has gone through some sort of trauma that is beyond their scope? Same thing. Um, <clears throat> we believe a lot in the revelations that bishops get, and sometimes they are sufficient to cover the problem. Sometimes yeah. they get these miraculous pieces of wisdom that they go, that's way beyond me. I feel like a genius <laughs> now, and I've just parted the Red Sea like Moses. Holy cow. How did that happen? All right. In other cases, um, the bishop, and this is probably common, um, finds himself in over his head. And some bishops love to get good at counseling. Some bishops, I have one bishop who um, says, as soon as a woman starts crying, I just say, hold on, I need to call Maurice. <laughs> I have no idea what to do with a woman who starts crying because I need help. And so I'm a, I'm a plumber, I'm a farmer. I don't even really want to get good at counseling. And so that's why I've got these backups. But I've learned over time that bishops appropriately have a very protective mindset around their ward members and stake presence the same with their stake presence, stake members. I completely validate and support the importance of making sure 
you don't refer them to something that could make it worse or could get them to feel like it's okay against your value system to have sexual behaviors because that's just how the world is or um, sway them from not taking their religion seriously. Yeah. And so in an attempt to make sure we are transparent and clear, we have a page called the Bishop's Resource page on the Life Changing Services page. Before I go into details on that, since Life Changing Services started and the first Sons of Human Group started back in 2005, 17 years ago, one of the mission statement elements of this organization is to make the lives of bishops easier, hmm. to be a support to church leaders. So everything we do is in harmony with gospel principles. After the 30 years I've used to study the last 50 years of conference talks to make sure everything we teach is in harmony with the prophets. But we want you as the church leader to investigate that for yourself. We want you to look over the literature, get a copy of the Like Dragons book that's the manual for the classes. Um, there's links for that. Um, look through our bishop's packet. Look through all those um, information that's available. Watch some of the videos. We have a whole set of YouTube videos that are just for bishops that you can either just watch to gain trust or share them with your people as little training tools. But do what it takes to gain your own trust. And then as a final step, request a consultation with me or one of the other clinicians to do a little bit of Q&A with us, like poke around, ask, your, ask us hard questions. Like, how would you handle this? What do you do with this? What do you do with that? Yeah. We have thousands of bishops in our database who already trust us, hundreds of stake presidents who already trust us, but you have a right to gain your own trust with your own research. Yeah. And we're totally willing to let you do that. Awesome. And, and okay, last question, now flipping the script, what would you tell people who are going in to see a bishop about these traumatic events or about these addictions or um, these really hard talks that, that they're just kind of like, well, I, I know that I've been instructed my whole life, go talk to the bishop. And so what would you tell people that are going into that, that maybe the bishop says, I don't know how to help you. Um, how, how would you counsel them? Just remember that bishops are volunteers. Bishops don't get paid for what they do. Bishops are giving us the best they can with the resources they have. So when you go in, don't think of them as being fully resourced to help you. They are fully resourced to help you with the repentance process. And we don't do the repentance process. All we do is train you to change your behavior so you can have that part of the repentance process done. So we don't do repentance. The bishop will specialize in repentance at least, but he may not have the skills to train you in self-mastery into changing the behavior and changing it permanently or to help you recover from the betrayal trauma if you're the person who's um, had something go wrong um, from the other person's side. So just um, give the bishop a break if he gets it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Give him a break and just um, say to yourself, there's no reason to be mad at the bishop. There's no reason to be frustrated. Here is what he's good at. Here is what he's not good at. I'm going to need training and therapy and support from a professional instead of from my bishop. But if I'm sinning, I will go to him for the sin. Or if I need healing, I can go to him for a blessing. Yeah. And so use your bishop as a bishop's intended to be not because he's a professional therapist and he was never intended to be one. And, and I got to say, so just quick little cool experience here after having been in recovery and going through this program for a while, one of the, one of the funniest, but coolest experiences I had was 
going in to talk to a bishop and telling him about a relapse that I had had and him, him kind of, you know, you could see the weight of like, okay, how do I unpack this? But me going before you proceed, let me know, let me let you know, I've already done a Q5. I've already spoken to my therapist. I've reached out to team members for accountability. My wife already knows I'm, I, and I've made these plans to make sure that I don't get myself in that situation again. And to have him sit back and go, okay, hold on, go through that one more time. Because the way that you worked through that has basically left me in a place where all I have to do is counsel what the Lord would want to tell you. And I don't have to try and solve the problem that is outside of my scope of understanding. So, and that works the same way in relationships. When you can handle your own garbage, when you can carry your own weight and say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what happened, but because of my training, I'm already fighting back. I'm already back on my feet and pushing forward. So you don't have to carry this burden. You, you can fulfill the role that you were intended to fulfill and you don't have to try and pull me out of the mud as well. Awesome. Great words of wisdom. Yeah. Well, Maurice, I, I am so grateful that you were able to join me. Um, this is, again, I think this is one of those things that people are going to go back to over and over again to kind of just be like, okay, well, another serious thing has come up with my child or I, I need to go have another serious conversation with my spouse or with my bishop. I know, I know that there's this uh, resource out there that, that will help me and train me on, on how to deal with these hard talks and these difficult situations. And the, the last little piece of information I just wanted to put out there was, please don't ever feel uh, ashamed at presenting and being vulnerable of your own mistakes and your own shortcomings, because that is actually what makes us more human and what makes us more appealing to others around us where we can be approachable and be a safe place for people to build that team and know that they have, um, they, they have someone that will not judge them and someone that loves them and someone that understands them without um, any sort of expectation behind it or any extra burden. So um, Maurice, you're an, you're an amazing friend and you're an amazing man. I appreciate what you've done in, in my life and in my wife's life. And uh, I just, I'm really grateful for what you've brought to the table tonight. So thank you very much. And thank you for the hard work you're doing to get good messages out to lots of people. I hope everyone knows your name and your podcast soon so that the whole world can keep sharing it. <laughs> or as, as no all, the, all the mentors in the group say, wait, Cameron, you have a podcast? Yes. Oh, the, the running joke. And I'm sure a few of them are listening right now. We <laughs> get text messages right after they listen to this say, Cameron, I didn't know you had a podcast. Yeah, That's I might hilarious. talk about it a little bit much, but hey, I'm, I'm proud of it and uh, I'm proud of who I am and who I've become. So, all thank right, you. I'm going to let you go, Maurice. Uh, thank thank you. you again. And we'll see you guys next week on Recovering You. Thank you. See ya.